Well, this morning, it is my privilege to bring to you the Word of God. I am thankful that even in this time that we cannot gather physically or we have chosen not to gather physically, we just want to go by wisdom, right, and go and, and uh, make full use of what God has given us, and that is even the blessing and the power of technology. So I'm thankful for that, that while we are distanced, we are most certainly not disconnected. Church family, can I encourage you to stay connected? Go, continue going to sell, whether it's on Zoom, even, even if it's on Zoom, please stay connected because remember, together is together. And also join our prayer altars on Tuesday night because we want to keep the fire of God burning because I know that this is just a season. Amen. This is just a season. This is just something that we are going through right now and we will get through this, but we will get through this together. Now this morning, I want to bring to you a message from Zechariah chapter 2 titled, Promise Fulfillment Guaranteed, but subject to terms and conditions. Now, have you ever seen an offer that just seems too good to be true? Like it's just an incredible offer. Maybe it's like a money-back guarantee, or it's a zero upfront payment, or it's a a one-year membership, but free three or four months, something like that. And most often times when you see an offer that's really, really good, they always kind of put a little clause to it saying subject to terms and conditions. Now we're going to go straight into the Word of God and I'll show you and I'll explain to you, I'll unpackage to you this morning why I have titled my message so. Now we're going to go to Zechariah chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, please go with me to Zechariah chapter 2, otherwise it will be on the screen, but I invite you to read along with me from your own Bibles. Zechariah 2, verse 1, says this, Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line. In his hand, I asked, where are you going? He answered me to measure Jerusalem to find out how wide and how long it is. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within Come, come, verse 6, flee from the land of the north, he declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Almighty. Come, Zion, escape, you who live in daughter Babylon, for this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have planted you, for whoever touches you, touches the apple of his eye. I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord 
all mankind because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Touch someone next to you and say, I love the Bible. Right? Comment in the chat and say, I love the Bible. Just do it right now as I take a drink of water. Awesome. Now, you know, at face value, uh, looking at this scripture and passage, it could seem really confusing and alien and inapplicable to you and I. It just seems like, what is this out there? And we've been blessed with to start off the series of Zechariah, which is what we have been doing for the last two weekends, um, with a great message and series on an overview. And last week, we also got a great message on Zechariah 1. And coming to Zechariah 2, as we look at it, it may seem like, how is this applicable? All these dreams and visions and all these different things. But as I was thinking through this message and praying over it, I remember the nature and the goodness of God. You see, God is a promise giver. And not only is he a promise giver, he is also a promise keeper. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament with Israel, God constantly gives promises to them, but he also keeps them. Now, I want you to think about a promise for a moment. A promise can be something that either lives up or greatly disappoints. I don't know whether you have been in a situation where you were given a promise. It could have been a promise from a business partner or a promise from a close friend or even the promises made um, during your courting stage and then your marriage vows. All these kind of promises we make. I don't know whether you have been let down by a promise before because the person did not live up to his word. Have you, if you've watched shows or if you know this saying, right? This is a, there's this saying that goes, I'm a man of my word. Or a man's word is everything, right? I, I used to watch this series called Suits. I don't know whether you know this series. And the, one, the, main, the main character, Harvey Specter, you know, he always says this, I give you my word and I'm a man of my word. But how many of you realize that promises can also be easily broken? And sometimes we ourselves, we make promises that we cannot keep. And it's not always we set out with the intention to deceive, but sometimes we just can't keep the promise that we made due to different circumstances or limitations. But I want you to recognize this, my friends. Men may make mistakes and break promises, but our God makes promises and He breaks mistakes. Oh, that's powerful right there. Light out a chat room with a fire emoji if you can find it, or you'll tap someone next to you and go, that's good, that's good. I'm going to claim that for myself. How many of you believe that this morning or wherever you are, whenever you are tuning in from? God he is not like you and I. He is not like any man. The Old Testament, constantly, again and again, Israel messes up. They keep making mistakes, but God keeps His promises and He breaks the chains of mistakes, of bondages in our life. And that is the context 
and the background of what God is saying even to the people of Israel through Zechariah. So as we come to Zechariah chapter 2, I just want to quickly show you my three points this morning and we'll go through them, right? My three points on Zechariah 2 are as follows. Number one, the promises made by God to Israel and in extension, this can be the promises for you this morning as well. And the prophetic fulfillment that we see these promises come to pass. The nature of the promises are prophetic. And thirdly, the prerequisites needed to see these promises come to pass. And right now, first up, let's look at the promises that God makes. What are the promises that God makes to Israel via Zechariah chapter 2? The promises that God makes, the first of all, is this. God promises protection to come upon Israel. And where do we see protection? Where do we see that? In verse 5, in verse 8 and verse 9, we see this, right? Now, in protection in verse 5, we see this, okay? That God says that I will be a wall around Jerusalem. I will be a wall around Jerusalem. And in verse 8, God says this, that I will be a wall of fire around you and I will cause those who have plundered you to be plundered and I will lift my hand against those who have lifted my, their hand against you because you have struck the apple of God's eye. Now, in, in, back in the day, when cities are large and formidable, when cities are large and formidable, what happens is that when there is a city that, is, that has no walls, it is vulnerable. But God says, I will be a wall around this city. I myself will be a wall around this city. And God also says, whoever that has plundered you, I will cause them to be plundered back because when you attack God's chosen or when you attack those who God protects, it is like stabbing God in the eye. I don't know whether you've been stabbed in the eye. I hope not. But I would imagine, all of us can probably imagine it, that it will not be something really pleasant. Getting stabbed in the eye. This is the promise that God makes. And we even see it in Exodus, 30, uh, Exodus 13. I'm not going to read it, just going to put it right here. Exodus 13, where this is the first redemption. Israel causes the first redemption because at this point of time, Israel was actually in Egypt. They were exiled there. And as they came out of Egypt, this is the first redemption, and the exiles coming back from Babylon, which is the time of Zechariah, is known as the second redemption. In the first redemption, God himself says that I will be a pillar of cloud for you by day and a pillar of fire by night with you. This is what God promises. God has always been protecting those He favors and those whom He cho chooses. And let me encourage you. Let me tell you this morning that when God protects you, you can actually have peace. When you know God's got your back, you can be at peace. When you know God is protecting your business, when God is protecting your family, when God is protecting you, when the hand of the Lord is upon you, 
You need not worry or fret. That doesn't mean trouble won't come, but it just means that you recognize that, hey, whatever situation that I am going through, God has got me. God has got me covered. And not only God, not only will God protect you, God will also vindicate you. We see this in the Abrahamic promise, the covenant, the one of the first covenants and promises ever established by God in Genesis chapter 12. We see this in verse 3 and verse 4, where God makes a promise to Abraham. He tells Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will also curse. You know what that tells me? Is that when God protects you, not only would He carry you through troubled times, but He will also vindicate and justify you. You will not have to justify yourself. That's why in Romans 12 verse 19, the scripture here says this, my friends, leave room for God's judgment. Don't take revenge. Leave room for God's judgment. Because when you take things into your own hands, you are going to leave out God's hand. And I want to say this morning, they who leave that everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hand in everything. That is the kind of life I want to live. Not by my own strength, not by, by my might or by my power, but by His Spirit. And the second promise that we see God give in Zechariah 2 is provision. We see that in verse 4. Because in verse 4, the angel declares that this city will be overflowing with people and with animals. That is a picture of prosperity. I want us to recognize that God provides all our needs. All. All our needs. Our needs, but not our wants. When we are on mission for God, His grace is sufficient. Amen. If it is God's will, it will be God's bill. If God guides us to it, He will bring us through it. And wherever God guides, He will provide. This is the nature of our God. Philippians 4 verse 19, Paul himself writes of God. Now Paul was not a rich man. He was not a wealthy person as he was following Jesus. But he himself could declare this, that my God will supply what? All of your needs. Not some, not a little bit, not, not a few, but all of your needs according to the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. This is who our God is. He will give us provision. But the third promise, and this one, I recognize is the most powerful. It is the promise of His presence. The promise of His presence. Verse 5 says, I myself will be its glory within. And verse 10, God says, I will make a place among you. Now the thing about the presence of God is that Nowadays, in our New Testament Christianity, we often undervalue the presence of God because perhaps we don't see how much 
has changed since the Old Testament. So let me break it down for you. Just bear with me as I walk you through this. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of emphasis on physical things. There was an emphasis on the ark and an f- emphasis on the temple. If you remember, earlier in the year, we had a book of Haggai, right? A study of the book of Haggai where it was all about rebuilding the temple. And even in Nehemiah and Ezra, which is... So Zechariah runs concurrently with Ezra and then Nehemiah comes after. But even throughout this theme, there is always a a, a desire to go back to Jerusalem, but not just to go back there, but they wanted to rebuild the temple. Why? Because the temple was understood to be the place where God's presence would be. And so when they actually did rebuild the temple eventually, what would the offer the Jewish people would do is they would want to try and get as close as to the temple as possible because they believe that proximity to the temple would mean presence of God in their lives. So Jewish peddlers, businessmen, families or whatever, they would try and have their homes and their stores as close as to the temple. So if, in kind of like, like new real estate, right? If we were to look at Jerusalem real estate, anywhere near the temple would have its highest value because apparently that's where the presence of God was most powerful. And if we were to look a step back even further into the Old Testament, in the time of Moses and Aaron, what would happen is as they worship God in the tabernacle, there will be called this, there's this thing called the Holy of Holies, right? So those of you who are uh, Christians for a long time, you will know this, the Holy of Holies. And you will remember this, that nobody, not anybody, can just go into the Holy of Holies just like that. In fact, they could only, only one person could go, and that was Aaron or a Levite, the high priest, and they could only go once a year. Once a year. Can you imagine if that was us right now, that the only time we can approach God is through the pastor or through a leader, and they can only go on our behalf to see God once a year. But when Jesus came, The Bible says when Jesus died on the cross, the temple was broken and the veil was torn into two. Why? Because right now, the Bible tells us we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple. We carry the presence of God. So the question of the presence of God is no longer an issue of proximity. It is now an issue of relationship. And let me tell you, the presence of God is powerful. The presence of God is what we need more in our lives. You don't need more money. You need more of the presence of God. You don't need more opportunities. You need more of the presence of God. I'd rather be in a room like this and there's no one here and is filled with the presence of God than be in a church where the auditorium is packed and the pews are full but there is no presence of God. i rather be full of the presence of God and have an empty bank account than have lots of money but be void of the presence of God in my life. Exodus 33, God said to Moses, when he was sending Moses to go to Pharaoh, can you imagine if God sent you to meet the king? as some people want to do right now. They're so desperate to meet the king, right? To meet the king. Imagine that for a moment. 
How many of us would dare go and meet the king, and not only just meet the king, but to make an audacious request? Moses, the assignment on him was to go and free Israel. And what did God say? God didn't say, I will send a big army for you. I will give you a pre-written speech. I will give you this, I will give you that. God said, no, my presence will go with you. And what did Moses say? Moses said, Lord, if your presence does not go with me, don't even send me up there. I'm not even interested. So many of us, we often want to go ahead of God when we should actually be going with God, with His presence. Let me tell you what the presence of God brings. The presence of God brings peace, gives perspective, and also supplies power. Can you imagine if you had all these three in abundance in your life? Peace, the peace that goes beyond all understanding, that even when the boat is getting rocked, you can be sleeping like a baby just as Jesus did. Even when everything is going through hell and high water, you have peace. That's the presence of God right there. Perspective is insight, that you will be able to see things the way God sees you know, there is an incident that happened in our nation recently which disappointed many people. I won't reference it. You probably know what I'm talking about. So many people get disappointed and upset and all that. But the thing is, we are only seeing things from man's perspective. But when you see things from God's perspective, you have a higher vision. That's why you know, I'm reminded of this story in, Ma in Matthew chapter 16 or 18. I can't remember. When do you, know, you all know this, when Peter was rebuked by Jesus, you know, Peter, like uh, Peter, Jesus rebuked Peter in such a harsh way, right? It, essentially, in that story, what happened was this. Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going to go to the cross and get crucified. Now, Peter, he was the zealous one. He was the passionate one. He was just trying to do the right thing. He said, no, Lord, we will not let this happen to you. Now, if your leader, your boss, or the person you're following says, people are going to come and arrest me and they're going to kill me. Now, you as a loyal follower, you will say, no, we'll stand up for you. And that's what Peter did. But what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. You only have in mind the things of men and not the things of God. What happened there? Peter could only see in the natural. He could not perceive what's in the supernatural. And the presence of God gives us that perspective. All the more we need perspective right now. We don't need more judgmental people. We need people of judgment. Amen. You can put a fire emoji right there as well. You can turn someone to someone next to you and say, that's good preaching, that's for you. We don't need more judgmental people. We need people who can see and move with the times of what the Lord is doing. And the presence of God also gives us power. Power to endure. Power to keep on keeping on. Sustenance to even push through and see what God can and will do in our lives. Now the second point is this. The first point is that promises made. The second point is this. The prophetic fulfillment of these promises. Why is, do I call it a prophetic fulfillment of the promises? In Zechariah 2, I'm just going to look at it real quick again. It says, 
In verse 2, where are you going? He answered me to measure Jerusalem to find out how wide and how long it is. And when the angel was speaking to me, he was leaving, he said, another angel came to him and said to him, run, tell the young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. Now, I mentioned earlier that we were going through, we have been going through the book of uh, Nehemiah before this, right? We were studying the book. And you will know that Israel, at this point of time, they were actually in exile. And as they were in exile, Jerusalem was actually a desolate place. It was a place that was not prosperous. It was a place that was barren and empty. But yet, God declared over this city, it will be full of people and animals. That is a prophetic declaration and the promises are meant to be prophetically fulfilled. What does that mean? That means that while I was giving you all those great promises beforehand, you may not see it happen in your life. Or in fact, it could be so far away that you would think that it's not even possible. But take heart because God's promises and God's words will come to pass. And it is a prophetic fulfillment that will see it happen. Ezekiel 37 those of you who know the Bible will recognize this scripture. You will love this scripture. Where Ezekiel, he was given a vision. He, he saw a valley of dry bones. Bones, bones that represent, that represent death, represent finished, represents nothing, nothing is gone. But what did God ask Ezekiel? Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Lord, only you know. And what did God say to him? Prophesy to these bones. Speak to it. And for many of us, we need to start, we need to start speaking to the mountain instead of speaking about the mountain. That's what we're so good at. We're so good at saying, oh, you know, I've got this issue, I've got this problem. We're so good of complaining. We're so good with doing this and doing all that. But let me tell you, this day, we need to declare the word of the God. We, we need to be like Ezekiel that said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Live, live and stop complaining. Hey, get this. If you complain, you will remain. But if you praise, you will be raised put like a thousand fire emojis right now, wherever you are, right? Flip a chair next to you. Just go, wow, yes, that's good. Because we need to stand on the Word of God. Listen to this. You see, I could be saying all of this and you could be sitting there and you could be going, well, that's nice, that's, that's good for you to say and all that, but how would I know it will happen? Listen carefully. Man says, show me and I will trust you, but God says, trust me and I will show you. Will you trust God this day to believe that the promises of protection, provision, and His presence, of Him turning a situation around, can and will come to pass? You know, 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 to 21 says this, Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything 
hold on to what is good. As I preach to you this sermon, you know, I am not preaching to you because I'm trying to sell you something or it's not that I have anything to gain from this message. You know, I'm preaching this to you because I have seen it come true for my life and I know it's available to everyone. Now, if we experience something good, if you found a good restaurant, if you found a good movie, what you want to do is you want to share it with everyone. So here I am sharing with you the word and the goodness of God and the power that, of God that the word has. Test it, in fact. Test it. If you don't believe me, test it. See whether it works. And that brings me to my last point. The prerequisites needed. There are promises given, and these promises are prophetic in nature, but there is also prerequisites needed for it. So I started this message by giving you a thought. Have, think about an offer that is too good to be true. But there are terms and conditions sub added to it. So all that I've been preaching to you, if we think about it, yeah, it could seem a little bit too good to be true, that God will protect me, God will provide for me, and God will be with me. Wow, that is so good. What do I need to do to get all of this? The simple answer is this, my friends, obedience. Obedience to God, obedience to God. Where did I get that? You see in Zechariah 2 verse 2, when the, the angel said, I'm going to Jerusalem with a measuring line. That is actually a symbol of spiritual evaluation, if you want to call it, that God was want, wanting to evaluate Jerusalem and the people of Israel to see where they were. Now, in this story, in Zechariah 2, where they were at that point of time is many of them were still in exile in Babylon. So what did God say? Flee from Babylon. Flee from the land of the north. And those of you who live in daughter Babylon, flee and come and return to Jerusalem. Now, let me tell you, at that point of time, Israel, they were not like living in persecution or maybe to a certain extent they were, but for the most part, a lot of them were comfortable in Babylon because they had food to eat, they had homes, they had families, they had married the women there, and they had settled in the land of Babylon. So God was saying, hey, I want you to leave your place of comfort and I want you to go back to Jerusalem, that wretched place, that place where like, there's nothing, the walls have been destroyed, it's, it's like, almost like just ruins and rubble back there. Now, if you were an Israelite, you'd be like, why would I want to go back there? I'm comfortable where I am. I'm going to stay right here. And here's the thing. Babylon represents the world. And for some of us, we have become too comfortable or too familiar with the things of the world that the things of God has become so foreign to us. Some of us are so full on the things of the world, both good and bad, that we no longer have room for the things of God. If you want to see the promises come to pass in your life, the only thing, the simple thing that you have to do is just come back to God. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says this, examine yourself to see whether you are in the Lord. Test yourself, unless you are afraid that you will fail the test. 
And Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 20 says this, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, and that is Jesus. If you want to see those promises, if you want to have that promise fulfillment guaranteed in your life, the terms and condition is just this, obedience. Obedience. Would you obey God? Will you be aligned back to God? Will you continue now living in God's ways and not going your own way? Now, you, you could be in a state where you have actually fallen far away from God and it's time for you to come back. Or maybe you have gone your own way and tried things your way because you feel like you had to take it upon yourself to go through or to overcome whatever trouble that you are experiencing. But this day, can I encourage you, come back to the Lord, turn back to Him. Or maybe you, you could be in a place where you think, no, I'm not that far away from God. But you know, I, I, I was thinking about this. If I was walking on one path in one direction, if I was just walking like this, right? Just walking straight on. What would happen if I changed my direction just a little bit by 10 or 15 degrees? Now, as I walk and I change my direction, I may not notice at first, I could still see where I was meant to go originally, but after long, I will be off the path. I will just go my own direction. And that's what has happened to some of us. We were walking fervently with Jesus. We were pursuing His presence in our life. We were faithfully reading His Word. But then something along came, a discouragement came, disappointment came, distraction came, and we allowed ourselves to adjust and go off course momentarily. This day, will you turn back to God and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. We need to, we need to have that. We need to say, God, I need you. God, I need you. And I'll end with this. I'm going to end by reading scripture, Deuteronomy 30. It's a bit of a, a long, long read, right? But bear with me. I want you to follow as I look through these words because this was God speaking to the Israelites. Just as God was speaking to the Israelites via Zechariah, God is speaking to the Israelites via Moses right here. And just as like how I am speaking to you this morning. And the word goes like this. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is near in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him and to keep His commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But, 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 Verse 17, if your heart turns away 
and you are not obedient and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed you will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death blessings and curses now choose life choose life put it in the chat say choose life I choose life turn to someone next to you say I choose life even if you're sitting alone in your room or your house just say I choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My friends, today we are faced with a choice. We can choose the world or we can choose God. Even if we don't choose God, it automatically means we choose the world. But when we choose God, we will see the promises of His protection, His provision, and His presence prophetically fulfilled in our lives. And that is a guarantee the Lord is life and He is our true source and with Him we will not just get through we will overcome I believe this we will overcome wherever you are could you stand with me wherever you are wherever you're at home could you just stand with me what we're going to do is we're going to sing this song and we're going to sing it as a declaration and as a prayer that God, you are a way maker. You make a way where there seems to be no way. Come on, let's worship Him in this place. Let's stand and let's glorify Him. Thank you, Jesus. As, as, as we were worshiping earlier just now, the Lord actually impressed on me to do this um, during the prayer time, but I just kind of shrugged it off. By, but that has come back, so I know that God is serious about this. But I feel like there is someone tuning in either right now or you're watching this later and you have cried out to God in desperation and you felt like you heard no reply but this morning or, or whatever time you're tuning in you just decided I'm just going to tune in anyway but God is saying God is actually stopping a service right now just for you to say I've heard your cry. I have heard your cry and I'm on my way. God is saying that I've heard your cry and I am on my way. So whoever you are, I want you to receive that into your spirit. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. God is on the way. And for the rest of us, the song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, that's who our God is. Right now, I want you, I want to talk to those who you feel like you need to just rededicate yourself back to God. Now you don't need a big altar call or you don't need an emotional experience for that to happen. All you need to do is wherever you are to decide, God, this day I'm gonna hang on to faith again. I'm gonna believe again. I'm gonna walk 
in your ways again right now wherever you are just make the decision just say God I come back to you I turn back to you and I will do this I will do this God I want to see you your promises prophetically fulfill in my life in Jesus name and fa- friends and family if you are watching along with uh, family members or, or friends who are not believers right now is an opportunity to just ask them hey would you want to receive Jesus because all that I preach this morning it's not only for the chosen few that's who our God is you know what I love about God is that God doesn't run out of blessings God doesn't say okay I've blessed this person in too much I don't have enough for everybody else no God says I am big enough and everyone can be blessed but we must be in alignment and in obedience to him Jesus is the way to forgiveness and to life because he not only forgave us of our sins but he also has given us now access to God and the thing about the things of God right now it is no longer a question of access but a matter of interest will we say yes God I want to keep you the main thing in fact or maybe the only thing in my lives so would you come back to him for those of you who have never received Jesus before will you take this opportunity to do that even if you're tuning in online in a moment we will show you a room so don't tune off just yet in a moment we will show you a link that you can go to to, for people to pray with you and people to pray for you and I want to encourage you to do that but right now, let's just, let me just close us in prayer, wherever you are. Just lift your hands to the Lord with me, would you? Wherever you are at home. And just say, God, I commit myself to you. Lord, let today not just be another message or another sermon that goes out there. No, Lord, let it be something that pierces into our hearts, that will take root into our spirit and it will bear fruit in our lives. Lord, let it be that. Lord, let that word, that your Bible, your, your word itself says that it shall not return void. So Lord, I speak breakthrough, provision, and whatever that needs to happen for the people tuning in right now and later. Lord, let them know and know that you are a God who is for us and not against us. And that as we align ourselves to you, God, we will see your promises come to pass. We thank you for an opportunity to worship you and to hear your word. We give you back all the praise and all the glory. And we are thankful to you, Jesus. We give you praise in your most mighty name. We pray and everybody who has faith says, Amen. Amen. Light up the chat room. Give God some praise in your homes. Just praise Him wherever you are. Say yes. Thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you for tuning in this morning or wherever you're going to be watching this. I hope this blesses you and I believe the Word will indeed take fruit and become a reality in your lives.